Hey guys, this is The Gathering Podcast. Really glad you've decided to check us out. We have teachings from Sunday mornings. We have what we call cold reading, where we read scripture that we'll be looking at this coming Sunday. And occasionally we'll have a testimonial or an interview with somebody who helps with The Gathering. Hope that you enjoy this, and let's dive into today's content. Well, this morning, talking about living in denial, but maybe not the way that you were expecting, okay? I can understand there's definitely a a negative connotation to living in denial, but this morning we're going to talk about the positive way to live in denial. And uh, we're going to dive into our scripture, and I have to apologize. I'm going to have to read, I'm going to turn around and read from up there, because I put two different versions, and I don't want people to be confused if I read off the one I have in my notes. Um, and then everybody be like, that's not what it says up there. But it'll, it would be close. But to just make it easier, I'm just going to read off of up here. So that way we're all on the same page. It says, and he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, the scribes, and be killed. And after three days, rise again. And he said this plainly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? So this is, this is Mark chapter 8 verses 31 through, uh, 38, verses 31 through 38. So there's a couple of things we're going to unpack here. And the number one, it's, it's my favorite thing to study and, and to teach about apparently for the last month. We just have kind of been circling it from all angles. But Jesus starts off immediately with a declaration of the gospel. And that's, that's verse 31 right there. He says, He began to teach them that the Son of Man, that Jesus, He had to suffer many things, be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and He had to be killed, and after three days rise again. Jesus, we have to not lose focus, because a lot of people will lose focus of Jesus' mission. And, and, and like I've said before, we can have this picture of who Jesus is, what His purpose is for my life, instead of what God's purpose for Jesus is in my life. We think that he's a good teacher. He's somebody that can comfort us, that can give us good advice. And and that's all it is. But Jesus' main goal was to come and to die for our sins. The atonement. That's the good news. That even though we're sinners, that we're trapped in, in, in our world, in our flesh, and we still struggle with our sin, we have payment for that sin. We can live our life in the Spirit and live unto the Lord. And the thing here... That, that he tells them that he's going to be rejected by the spiritual leaders, by the priests and the scribes, the people who were supposed to know who God was. They were supposed to know what the Messiah was going to look like. They were supposed to understand pretty much the Bible. And yet Jesus is warning them that they have a picture of who I am that isn't going to line up with what I'm supposed to do. And that's why Jesus wanted to tell his disciples this, because they also apparently had this picture of who Jesus was. One of the, one of the main things that, that they, there was a, there was a belief that, that it was going to be kind of like this military king 
that was going to come in and he was going to set things right. And a, a small sect believed that, that when the Messiah came, he was actually going to kill the Caesar, you know, which is like the president of their day. And so you can imagine that when Jesus is telling his disciples this, you know, he's telling them, look, I am, I am the Messiah, but I have come to do this. You're expecting something totally different. And I need to let you know that this isn't the way it's going to go down. And, and it affects Peter because he takes Jesus beside. And, and that word rebuke is a very strong word. It's, it's definitely not like a gentle correction. It's a strong corrective word. Because Peter said, this isn't what you're supposed to do. This isn't my picture of who the Messiah is. And he tells him, you know, pretty plainly, to get behind me, Satan. That's, that's pretty tough, you know. But it's not that Peter was like, you know, demon possessed or that he was the prince of demons in that moment right there. But it's that he had the ideas of Satan, the, the selfish motives that, that drive all of us into sin. And Jesus says, you don't have in mind the things of God, but the human concerns. You, you're thinking from the wrong perspective because you have this other perspective. You're totally mislined. And that's what Jesus wants us to get right. He says then that he called the crowds and his disciples together. So this is, this is telling us that this isn't just for a special group of people to listen to this section, this next part. This is for all of us to understand. He says, if you want to come after me, if you want to be my disciple, you have to deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. So the message here isn't just that the Messiah is going to die, but that we also have a death that we're going to have to die. Now, that doesn't mean that we're going to be martyred for our faith. It's not excluded from the possibility. But what he's talking about here is from Galatians 2.20. I'm going to read this scripture for you guys. We'll bring it up. Galatians 2.20 says, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Let's unpack this scripture a little bit before we go on. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. I think this is a, a big part that Christians a lot of times get wrong. Or, or, or maybe they just skim over it and don't realize it. But if Christ has died for my sin, then to believe in Him, to repent, to turn from my sinfulness and have faith and believe in Him means that it's no longer my life. That it was bought with the price. That price was the precious blood of Jesus. And so then I'm going to live my life for Him. And, and it's a beautiful thing because it's going to be uniquely me. And, and I was explaining to somebody that is, is this sermon, I titled it, you know, to deny yourself, but living in denial. I was like, man, I'm really struggling. And, and here I go, really struggling with not making a joke about denial, just being a river in Egypt. And they were like, you should. And I was like, no, that's, that sounds so cheesy and corny. And they're like, but that's who you are. And I was like, oh, great. I'm cheesy and corny, you know, but, but that unique way that you express yourself, the way that you present the gospel is a beautiful thing because it's you living it's you being christ being in you and being expressed through you you know there's there's a need for people who are analytical and there's a need for people who are artistic and people who who are comical and people who can be serious and there's this beautiful expression that comes through all of us that when we live christ inside of us it's going to come out uniquely but I do have to remind myself that it's no longer I that lives in me. When these selfish desires come back, I have to remind myself that it's Christ that lives in me. I'm going to live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. 
In Mark, he says that whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. You know, how many things are we holding on to? And, and, and I go back to this point in high school, and, and I'm sure everybody has a different story and different things that they've had to deal with. But it's funny, I can remember in high school, and this is going to be awkward, my wife's right there. But there was a point in my life where it seemed like everything was being taken away from me. You know, I had the girlfriend I'd finally got, and then she moved away. You know, there's the awkward part. We'll get the air out of the room. Yes, I dated somebody once, but I don't even think about them. Except for this one particular moment, I want to make a connection with you guys. I want y'all to think about this stuff. But we've had things that we've, we've had to lose. That, that same time period, I had um, a really important spiritual figure in my life. And, and he, was, he, was, he wasn't taken from me. Well, he was kind of taken from me. I'm mad at you, God. You know, he, he had to go to this next assignment that the Lord had for him. And that was hard because I was like, man, all of a sudden I'm losing, I'm losing pillars in my life, you know, that are helping me spiritually. And I'm having to struggle on my own. And I had my best friend. And, and thank God we're still best friends. And, and um, he was right there. And all of a sudden he was moving away. And I was like, Lord, this is just, this is too much, you know. But it's funny because I think about how much I depended on some of those things. And, and some of those things were kind of like safety nets. That it's like, well, my faith is, in, in, is, is living through this person. And I depend on this person to do maybe some digging or, or to get spiritual wisdom from. And, and without those things, by losing those things, it, it kind of pushed me into seeking the Lord on my own a lot more. And it took some distractions away from me and, and, and helped me to focus on things that I needed to be focusing on. And, and we don't understand that sometimes that when we do lose those things that we think are so important, we realize what really matters. The eternal things that really matter. You know, Jesus worries, or uh, he warns us that what good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit their soul? You know, do we, do we keep our eyes on the things around us? And, and, and it's hard sometimes for us as Americans to even, you know, compare, you know, losing things like food or, or you know, water or, you know, having to really struggle for, for just basic necessities. So we have to really dig in and say, okay, what really occupies my mind? What really occupies my worries? And are those things even that important? You know, because there are Christians in the world that are wondering, okay, I really have to trust the Lord for, for what I'm going to eat or, or, you know, where I'm going to get, you know, that drink of fresh, clean water, you know, if it's even going to be that. But what do we struggle with that, that, you know, gets our anxieties going or gets our fears? And there are some really legitimate fears that Christians have that we have in our world that we struggle with. You know, obviously there's, there's a growing resentment or, or, or there's an attack that's going towards cultural values that Christians hold because they're outdated and because certain things are, are wanting to become more acceptable. So it's, it's going to be, it's going to be a challenge to really deny ourselves to say, okay, I'm not just going to go with what the, the cultural thinks is okay. I'm going to deny that, that, you know, that fear to want to blend in and not be different, to stand up for what Christ is calling us to live for. And, and Jesus gives this warning, you know, saying, if anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. And it's not just that Jesus is saying that I'm going to be embarrassed of you, but, but that shame, it's, it's this rejection of this lifestyle. Are we ashamed of Jesus, of living a holy lifestyle? 
to even talk about repentance a lot of times and to even talk about self-denial is almost egregious. You know, how could you say that to somebody? You know, to, to look at my sin and look at desires in my life that, that aren't good for me and say, I'm going to deny those things. I'm, I'm going to turn away from those things and I'm going to go towards Christ. And the, the hard thing with denying yourself is that it doesn't always come easily. You're not always ready for that opportunity that God's going to put in front of us. With Lent, we, we, it, it's kind of a practice of, of taking something and saying, okay, this is something I have control of, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work on a spiritual discipline by denying myself. You know, you might take chocolate or something like that and say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to deny myself during Lent so that I'm not just going after this thing. I'm going to use that as an opportunity to practice my self-control and, and to, to follow God in this way. But the truth is, is that to deny ourselves is a full-time Christian aspect of our living. In Matthew, he says not just to take up your cross. He says, take up your cross daily. Meaning that that dying to self is going to have to be a daily practice and it's going to be something I walk with. And, and it's not always horrendous, horrible, super, you know, things that we have to work on denying ourselves. Sometimes it's more of a regular thing of just checking on somebody of, of, you know, being a person who's not just concerned with myself and looking after my things. And, and I preach this having lived it out <laughs> quite a few times more than I expected this week where an opportunity would be put in front of me and, and I have a direction that I need to go or I have something that I want and all of a sudden God says, hey, I'll see this person over here, I want you to go check on them. And, and, you know, but Lord, it's late. I've already, I've done my spiritual duties today. It's, it's after eight o'clock. Surely I'd need to just go home and be with my family. I don't need to, you know, be any more spiritual and do other things like that. And I, I don't say that to toot my own horn, but I say that to, to let you know that it, it doesn't just come easy to everybody. It's not like you reach a certain level of spiritual maturity and all of a sudden, you know, the, the, the denial stuff is just like, you don't struggle with it there's still going to be times where you find yourself thinking, okay, to deny myself, think about taking up your cross is a painful experience. And in denying ourself, it should hurt a little. It should hurt a little. When, when you want that fast food or you want that thing and, and, you know, or you want that time on YouTube or, or you want that time alone, that's probably one of the hardest ones. You know, there's nothing like being interrupted when you're in the middle of your morning coffee. Or, or if you have that routine, if you have that thing that you do, that jogging or, you know, that place that, that you want to be where it's like your happy place, you know, fishing or something like that. And what if God is, is going to use that as the place where he asks you to deny yourself? What if that's the point where somebody might interrupt? Do we understand that, that denial is going to come at inconvenient times? And, and I want to show you something about Jesus' life that, that I think should, should help us to understand that Jesus doesn't just call us to live out this life, but he lives it out himself too. Three times specifically, um, in Matthew 14, verse 13 through 14, and you, you don't have to bring these ones up, I'll just read it from mine. But it says, when Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and he healed their sick. Now this sounds like, okay, this is typical Jesus. You know, he, he's going about his business and his normal thing is just to take care of others. But that first line, when Jesus heard what had happened, is referring to 
is that his cousin, John the Baptist, the one who prepared the way for Jesus, had just been killed. And so Jesus isn't just going away for his quiet time. Jesus is heartbroken. And I think Jesus just wants to take some time to get his mind around what just happened. This grief that's weighing on him pulls him away. And he gets his disciples and says, guys, we, we just need to go somewhere else. The point that he's not just going to walk away. He says, we're going to go by boat. We're going to go somewhere else. Because I just need a moment. But he doesn't even get that. Because the crowds come, and Jesus doesn't just reluctantly say, well, we might as well heal the sick they're here. It says he saw them. It says he had compassion on them and healed their sick. And, and so right after that, spending an entire day with thousands of people, Jesus has another event happen. It says, as evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place. It's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, they don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here to me. And he said, he said, and he directed the people to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven. He gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the people. That's Matthew 14 verses 15 through 19. So Jesus again sees denying himself it's a late day and the disciples they're ready to call it they're like send everybody away everybody go home everybody go home and and jesus is like they're never going to make it home it's a long it's been a long day it's been a hard day and if anybody would know jesus would know he's he's got this emotional weight from his cousin dying he spent all this time with thousands of individuals it says healing their sick you know and he says these guys have got to be hungry let's feed them man denying yourself on a whole nother level and the other time, it comes from Luke eight twenty two through 23. It says, One day Jesus said to his disciples, Let's go over to the other side of the lake. So they got in a boat and set out. I'm starting to see a pattern. I think the Lord wants me to have a boat. You know? <laughs> it says, As they sailed, he fell asleep, and a storm came down on the lake so that the boat was being swamped. They were in great danger. So Jesus is, is needing to get away again. And, and he's a busy man, and, and he's got to go on this journey. But, but at the same time, we see that Jesus is tired. He's exhausted from his ministry, from going from place to place and doing all of these things. And to realize that this is a part of the character of, of, of God in Jesus. He's not supernatural, and he's not the energizer bunny, and he just runs forever and ever and ever. He gets tired. He gets hungry. He gets thirsty. And we see this all through the gospel. And yet... He denies himself. He denies himself to serve others. And, and he does this because he knows that we're looking at him. Hebrews 10.2, I don't have the scripture anywhere in here, but it's one that has come up a few times in, in sermons the last few weeks. But we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. And if we see Jesus living like this, then isn't that an example? That Jesus isn't going to call us to anything greater than what he's going to do. To see the needs of others, as Ephesians says, and to, to think that they're more important than our own. Now, Jesus wakes up in that storm and he takes care of his disciples who they're in the middle of it saying, Jesus, don't you care that we're going to die? And it seems like a silly question. Of course, Jesus cares. Of course, he cares. What about you? When you find yourself exhausted from a long day, you know, do you find that time to be with the Lord? Now, that doesn't mean that, that 
Obviously, you're going to maybe go into like an Oxford-level Bible study after a 12-hour shift or anything like that. But do we take time to worship Him in our heart, to acknowledge who He is, to maybe pray an earnest prayer of, Lord, today was long, and I just don't want to lose sight of You. Do we, do we maybe even just sit still, as the Bible says, and know that He is God? And, and it may be counterintuitive when there's a lot going around us to take that time when maybe we have a few more things on our to-do list, a couple emails that we could be checking and say, you know what, I, I have this stuff over here that needs to be done. But again, I'm going to deny myself and I'm just going to, I need to spend some time with the Lord and I need to make sure that His place in my heart is priority number one. And, and I say that God definitely made me accountable to, to preaching a message this week. And, and, and at the end of a long day, that's when it may be that Christ asked for you to deny yourself. At the end of a long day, when, when you know your temper is going to be super, super short, do you deny your selfish anger? Do you deny your jealousy? Do you deny the lust that's inside of you? Do you deny those things? Because they're not going to give us the satisfaction we need. They're definitely not going to give us the peace we need. And this is a big thing that Jesus is trying to free us from. To deny yourself goes against everything that we've been programmed with in our brain from the time we were a little bitty baby. I know those of you who have children know what I'm talking about, and, and I see it all the time because the little ones are like, you know, mine, mine, mine. Or, or they struggle with, with giving, and, and we're trying to teach them that. But you have to undo all of that. And, and if you've had a Christian family and upbringing in that, it, it may be a little easier, but it doesn't, doesn't take it away. But that's why we have to go to Christ. That's where He calls us to deny ourselves, to look at the things that we would want, the, the place that we would put ourselves, and to put Christ ahead of it. And, and that doesn't mean that, that you're going to be Mother Teresa or that you're going to sell all of your goods and give it all to the poor, but we should be able to ask in any given situation, Lord, what is it that you're calling me to do? What is it that you're leading me to do? And, and if Christ is King in my heart, then to be able to hold on loosely to, to material things should be no problem. And, and I challenge you guys to really ask yourself, what weighs heavy in, in my wants category and my needs category? And what are things that maybe Christ is asking me to surrender, to give up? You know, whether it's for Lent or whether it's something permanent. And it's not just sinful things, but sometimes it's things that just, they just catch too much of our attention. And, and they just hold us a little, a little too away from the things that do matter, the relationships that God has put around us. And, and maybe it's, it's busyness that keeps you from being with your family. Maybe it's busyness that keeps you from, from thinking about people. Because I know that the big thing that we can want to do is, is we can want to, to almost volunteer ourselves into this place where we feel like I've done, I've done what God wants me to do because I'm, I'm serving or I'm doing something. Instead of realizing that God has called us to be something. To be in that relationship with Him. To be in that relationship with people around us. And, and it is challenging. Because again, a lot of times it's, it's not going to come when we're comfortable. Or when we're necessarily ready. It's at work. It's at school. It's that fight that you're fixing to have. And yet you say, Lord, help me deny myself. 
Paul puts it one way. He says, if somebody has, has said that you've wronged them and they come after your coat, he's, it's funny the way I always read it, but it seemed like Paul is saying to us, like, why not be wronged? And it's like, because that's not right. We want justice and we want right. We want things to be lined up and we want to, to be squared away. And Paul says, those things don't even matter. What matters is living this life for Christ because eternity is the picture that we need to have to look beyond what's just right here in front of us and to see that there is so much more. Don't lose your soul going after mere things, but realize that this calling, this life that we're made to live is made to echo throughout eternity. And we can do it because Jesus has died for us. Like the song we sang, we cast ourselves completely Completely for his love. And to close, <clears throat> I want to go back to grace. Because I know messages like this, I remember walking away from them, maybe feeling like I'm worthless because I'm not giving enough, or I'm not serving others enough, or I'm, I'm it, it always came back to me. And that's not the place that I want you to go. Because it's not about what I can do, it is always about what Christ has done, about his amazing grace. And so we're going to close singing that song, remembering that even in my failures, He is enough. And, and to live in relationship to that, to live in loving Christ, we'll find that fulfillment. Not creating a new checklist because the old one wasn't working, but to live a life. Christ, I love you, and therefore I will live a life that shows that I love you. Let's pray. Father, we thank You so much for what Jesus has done. And God, as, as, we, as we deal with ourself, as we deal with our sinfulness, I pray that You would remind us that You are enough. That what You have done covers our sin and our failures. But don't leave us in those places. Leave us struggling. God, we give you everything. The good and the bad. Let us see that love and live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey guys, thanks for joining us again. And... Look forward to hopefully seeing you one day at the gathering. Or if you're just a digital subscriber, keep listening. Send us your prayer request and uh, reach out to us if you need anything. Have a blessed week.